Okay, everybody, welcome back. Happy Tuesday for those that are here live. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, at the Boost, Tuesday morning, speaking about memetic desires and what it does. As you get into proximity with people, it starts to create a gap in what you have. So what do we do about it? And so I'm going to start to, I don't know, there's a couple things to do about it, but it's important to do something about it before our lives become sort of the ping pong ball of, of somebody else's life. Right? That's the that's that's the that's the risk with something like this. When you really understand it, right? It's like neuroplasticity. Like if you don't get it, you don't get it. But once you get it, you're like, wait, what do I do with it now? And the answer is I can really do a lot with it. I understand what how habits work. I understand how to build a resolution. I understand why, you know, these dreams aren't happening when I go all in for two days. Like I'm whether I like it or not, my brain is functioning through neuroplasticity. Whether I like it or not, my desires are functioning in part because of memetic desires. So as a result, whether I'm, I'm going to do something or not, when I walk into a room and I see a friend of mine who has achieved success in a specific area, I'm going to go back into my life and most likely feel less good about what I've accomplished. Now, that's a big deal because a lot of times you're doing something else that they're not doing. You just don't see it at that moment. right? There's a reason why... You know, Instagram and Facebook is so socially detrimental because a lot of the things that you see aren't even real, but it looks real. So as a result, you create an impression of something that's not true, right? You you think the person is a perfect parent because you see 10 pictures and the kids are smiling. Like, you're just not in the house in between the pictures, but you don't have that. Right, and that's what happens is it forms a selective memory, right? There's a great stat where you know the highest um, death rate in, in travel happened in 2000, I think, in two. You know, we all should, should be protected from everything that we do. With God's help, God should protect us. Where, however we travel, we should get there safely. The highest death rate, at least in the New York area, I think in this, I think in the United States, was in 02. Why? What happened in 02? So the answer is is 9-11. 9-11 was planes flying into the World Trade Center. Well, statistically, everyone should be healthy. You know, it's more dangerous to drive than to fly, just statistically. But when you see 9-11 and like four planes end up, you know, crashing into something, you're like, I'm not flying again. Well, that's, why would you think that? Well, it's a little bit of selective memory. You don't really remember when you read about, God forbid, somebody getting into a car crash. But those moments of, of, God forbid, a plane crash is pretty serious. But even though the statistics show that it's safer, who here? we're not rational beings. We're emotional beings. And our selective memory paints a false picture of something that is not true. But we just happen to have a few blips of information. When you see somebody and they're always in a good mood, it doesn't mean they're always in a good mood. It means when they're in public, they act like they're in a good mood. You create a selective memory pattern in which that person's always in a good mood. And if you see somebody online and they always seem to be posting pictures, well, that's why they're posting the pictures. They're not posting pictures of their life when they're not in a good mood. And they do every once in a while to, that everyone loves that. But for the most part, they're waiting until they look good. They're taking multiple shots of themselves. And the one that looks the best is the one that gets posted. 
that's not real life but you your brain doesn't know that so it creates a selective memory pattern and says oh this person they must have the most perfect life because every time I see them you're not remembering that you only see them on a post every time I see them they look amazing they're smiling in, 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 with ear to ear their eyes are lost in the eyes of their husband and their kids look perfect this is incredible what a perfect life what's with my life you're not realizing that yeah the post took forever and in those few seconds everyone looked happy right when you see people many times you only see one little piece of them you don't get the picture but it creates a selective memory that creates an image that then creates a memetic desire that then goes back into your life and makes you feel like you're not enough which then prevents you from doing the things that you're supposed to be doing right it goes back and you look at your own children and wonder why they're not good at x y or z you never even cared about x y or z you never even heard of the schools that now you want your kids to get into until an hour ago you never even heard that they were all signing up for these after school programs because the idea that kids can get together after school and make up games is like unheard of today now you have to be in a specific program so the thought that your kids are not in a specific program that somebody else thought of and their kids are a part of makes you feel like you're not a good parent and the kid now is not having the same quality of life as your neighbor's kid he didn't even the kid doesn't even want to go but he needs to go that's what they're all doing it's all the same stuff it's just it's, every, it's everywhere you look how do you deal with it so we're going to begin but let me start with the following and then we'll pick it up tomorrow with God's help I told you the story of the CEO that I I believe I said it here what, there was one CEO in particular who in my life I really really looked up to and I remember being able to get into his office this was at least a decade ago he ran a big huge company and I knew him I don't say I knew him socially but you know I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone whatever and I was involved in some project we wanted to go to his office to get his advice to get him involved he agreed we got to his office it was a big deal for me I was even younger I must have been in my mid-twenties so we're in his office talking about his project and it was his most beautiful office and you know I happen to love you know personal growth books I read a lot more when I was younger I used to read them all the time that's not as much but only because of time but when I was younger like in my early 20s when I was working at let's say like a lawyer and I was traveling a lot or whatever it is I was like a junkie a junkie and I always felt like there was like this like I don't know it was like it's like I don't know like you should you know other people are reading more I don't say sophisticated but like more industry books I just love personal growth books I thought there was so much wisdom there so I remember going into his office and you know 
after the interview, like he stepped out, we were walking, just like milling around in the office, looking at all his pictures of all his him and his prominent people, and the what's called deal toys. Every time you close like a deal, you like they give you like a loose side toy and all of those, and the big screen in the middle of his office with CNBC playing. Like you, if you're if you've been to CEO office, it's like the same office, you know. And I saw his bookshelf, and I was like, hmm. And I walked closer, and I'm expecting to see like really sophisticated books on real estate and finance and investing and I saw like a library of personal growth I was like you gotta be kidding me I was so like I can't believe it we read the same books so he came back and I said I love your collection of books he's like yeah I, I, I love this stuff I'm like really he goes oh absolutely he's like the only way you can become successful is if you just bring in the positivity I'm like what do you mean he says you know success is hard and negativity weighs you down. And when you're around negative people, it weighs you down. But when you are around positive people, hopeful people, it provides your mind with so much exposure of hope that you get your brain moving and you get your ideas flowing and you get to do stuff. And I find that in my business, he said, there's positive and negative people. But some of these books, they're so hopeful. They're so positive. They're insightful. But even if the insights aren't like rocket science, it doesn't matter. The whole understanding, the whole way of so many of these books is you can. It's light. It's not darkness. And I find that it helps me so much because it gives me exposure to positivity, which then enables me to think differently enables me to act differently enables me to come o- overcome challenges differently the beginning of the answer to how to overcome the negativities of mimetic desire is to ask ourselves what's in our diet not our food diet our eyes diet we'll talk about this tomorrow have a great day with God's help I can't wait to see you again tomorrow have a great day living on a lifeline the world doesn't ever seem to change looking for the sunshine but you're caught up in the rain it's like your eyes are wide open but you cannot see you're watching life pass you by like one two three walking in destruction the winds of life blur your vision all the devastation forever feels like you're on the run it's time no one else can set you free you're locked inside And only you have got the key.